What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is a Monday, March 11th, 2019. You guys are listening to episode 393. How the hell is everybody doing? Hope you guys caught up on all the um, other podcasts that you guys might have missed um, with... uh, With everything going on this week and how late everything was, uh, I said, you know what? We're going to start fresh on Monday. I was traveling. I was doing a bunch of things. I had a wedding for the weekend. I had just so much going on. And I was like, you know what? I don't want it to be late. We want to get back on on track on Monday. So here we are, Monday morning, early Monday morning. It is 9.26 a.m. Monday morning, and you are getting the new... Verzi Effect podcast, uh, episode 393. Some people are reaching out going, Paul, what's up? What's going on? I need the podcast. Well, here it is. Putting together a lot of stuff, putting together a uh, live 400th episode from a, um, a comedy club in New York City. Uh, that's, that's being confirmed this week. And I just left a five-minute big announcement for my Patreon. Yes, everything that I was talking about with the Patreon... <clears throat> Excuse me. I announced it on the Patreon, so uh, I will announce it on this soon. But if you are the handful of subscribers that listen to the Patreon, you will know that another a, a the Patreon is taking a big. I'll give you guys a hint. Me and uh, somebody I'm very excited about are going to be doing our own Patreon show. I announced that person's name on the Patreon. We are going to be doing it from a studio. We are going to have a producer. We are going to have sound bites. We are going to have segments. We're going to talk sports. We're going to have guests. We're going to talk movies. We're going to talk everything. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome, guys. It's going to be like an official like production show. You know, I always wanted the Verzi effect to be this regular one for my fans, um, which you know it is. And obviously, um, I want more and more people to you know to listen to the show, please pass on the Varsity Effect. I've been doing this for many years, um, but I never had, nor did I really want the the non-subscription one to be something where I couldn't just do it, you know, anytime I wanted and, uh, you know, have different stuff, interaction, be able to do it from my home. If something comes up, I can talk about it and stuff like that. Um, so I never really planned it to be like a full production, have a producer in the studio and all that. But that's where we're going with the Patreon. So the Patreon is going to be, um, uh, hopefully we're, we're geared towards right now looking at uh, middle to late April uh, and uh, and get going from there. So once, it's, um, once we get the name and all that stuff, I also ask my Patreons, uh, Patreon subscribers, that if you have a name for it and you know me and the individual well, please send in your names. If you even have artwork, send all that in. We are open. We're willing to listen to everything. I mean, I can't guarantee everything, but that's what's going to be going on. And in the meantime, from now until April, there's going to be guests and we're going to even be talking about the show that's going to be coming up. So it's going to be exciting all the way leading up. So your subscription is good. It's not like you're not going to get anything or any announcements and stuff like that from now until then, but that's what I was working on. So if you are a Patreon, you might have already heard the announcement. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, however, I am also super excited about TVE, the Verzi Effect podcast, episode 393. We are seven weeks away from the 400th episode, and we are going to be doing it. We're going to be doing it right in the city. I hope you are all there. It's between three comedy clubs right now. It's more a matter of scheduling and availability and also my guests and all that stuff. But I will have somebody around there with a microphone. You could say you're unacceptables or just stand up and talk, ask questions. If you need advice, anything going on, we will do it. All right, so there you have it. Uh, What's going on, everybody? A lot has happened. I was in a castle as a groomsman in a wedding party. My friend Giannis Pappas got married. One of the most beautiful weddings I've ever been to. It was at the Ohika Castle in Long Island. And when I say castle, I mean castle. This looks like some Game of Thrones shit that they were going to storm the castle and try to dethrone the king when you looked out the window. Um, we had a great time. Uh, it was it was pretty nuts, though, because the rehearsal dinner the night before, um, I had to leave the rehearsal dinner the night before. So we went to the church. 
We did that. Then the dinner. And then after a couple hours at the dinner, I missed the cake because I had to run and do two spots in the city. Then after that, run all the way back to um, Long Island to a hotel. And then I had to be dressed in my tux early in the morning and from like 9 o'clock, 9.30 to whatever. We were taking pictures and we were doing this. And guys, I am not going to lie. I will start out this podcast by telling you how stressed I was to do a speech. Now, uh, I think I mentioned it, but I will let you guys know. So my only obligation was really whatever, be an usher, which I mean, you really, these days you really don't, the ushering, you don't have to, a couple people. I mean, I might've walked one or two people down. There was also seven or eight groomsmen, but you know, people know where to sit, you know, bride to the left. Or, I mean, I guess if you're, if you're standing at the altar, it would be bride to the right, grooms to the left party. And that's where they sit in the pews and all that stuff. So that was easy. Okay. Pictures, fine. That's easy. Even though it's a long date, that's easy. Then you walk down with one of the bridesmaids and you stand up there and the Greek service is about an hour. So it's not like your typical wedding. All right, my fucking knees were locking up. I'm not kidding you. My knees were locking the fuck up. They they do this thing where they walk around a table and then they put a crown on and then another crown and then they switch the crown and then they kiss the crown and then they kiss the book and then they repeat themselves and all this stuff. And I'm just standing there and my two thoughts were don't laugh, okay? Because Giannis and I made eye contact a couple times. You know, he's looking. I'm like, don't laugh, you know? And it's like, it's really, really hard to not laugh in church because where is the number one place you probably shouldn't laugh? Church. So then where's the number one place you want to laugh? Church. I remember me and my brother when we were younger were just laughing our ass off in church because we knew we weren't supposed to. And my mom just pinching us, hitting us. Stop it, stop it. I'm just laughing my balls off because I'm just, you know, I shouldn't be. And so the whole time I'm like, I'm not ruining this wedding. I'm not ruining this wedding. So I'm just looking at the floor, looking up, listening to the priest, just doing everything I can. Um, but you're standing there for almost an hour at, you know, right next to your buddy who's at the altar with the woman he's going to marry and stuff. And I love Brittany. So I'm like, I'm not fucking this up for her. We've loved her from day one. So knee starts locking up and, and it wasn't just me. Like even her, her younger brother, who's like, you know, a freshman in college, he was like, Oh my God, my legs were killing me. Like you're just standing there. If you're ever standing in shoes, tux, and we were all in tuxes, this was black tie. So if you're ever standing somewhere, in a tux. By the way, I still got to return the fucking thing. That They don't tell you that they want it back 24 hours after. Lord knows I'm probably paying for another tux with how long I still have this thing. But um, my knees locking up. I'm just like, oh my God, I can't wait to sit down. Then we go from the church back to the castle. It started at the castle. Then I went to the church. Then we got on a limo bus back to the castle, you know, having some drinks on a limo bus. But here's the deal, guys. I can't I can't drink that much on the bus, okay? Because hanging over my head is this speech. So there's going to be a speech from Giannis's brother. There's going to be a speech from um, the bride's father. There's going to be a speech from her um, matron of honors. They, she had two, I don't know what you call them, best women whatever, matron of us, she had two of those, so they kind of did it together, just passing the mic back and forth, and, uh, you know, at first they're like, oh, you may go second or third or whatever, and I don't know when I'm going to give this toast, but then apparently at the, now, now listen, granted, now I'm done, the church is over, Giannis is feeling great, I walked everybody, I walked the girl down, I did my part, and now the only one thing left is we all get announced, the wedding party gets announced, and the party starts, well, not for me, because for me, it was the wedding party starts, then you're going to start eating salads and shit, and then speeches are going to be given, and I'm up. So in my mind, I'm basically on the clock from 9.30 a.m. until my speech, which was around 9 o'clock p.m., all right? Very, very stressful, and apparently, they tell me before we get announced, Giannis said, you should close the speeches. <laughs> so if that's not enough. All right, Giannis said you should close the speeches, and uh, so you're going to be going last. So we get announced, you know, we go in. She wanted to do some, you know, the the, the matron of honor wanted to do some handshake. We did. We did fine. Um, then we all go to our tables, and we sit down, 
and they were going to do the the bride and the bride and groom dance, then a Greek dance, and then everybody sits and the speeches start. So uh, Giannis's brother goes up, gives a really nice toast. Brittany's father goes up. The matron of honors go up, and now all of a sudden the DJ goes, and we have one more. And now, mind you, okay, there are tables filled with not just comedians and peers and friends, but some of the best comedians in New York. And they're all thinking, Verzi's got, got a lot of pressure. And I know that, and they told me that after, okay? Um, they were just like, you know, man, I can't, you had to go last. So they were like, one more, Paul, and, you know, everybody claps and all the comedians. And I'm standing next to a table of comedians, and we were sitting at a table, it was like me, Rachel Feinstein and her husband, who's awesome, Jessica Kirsten, her wife. It, it was, it was a nice table. Um, my buddy Alexis. Uh, there was, there was a really nice table of people. But I'm standing there, and I'm standing next to Giannis and Brittany's table. Standing, literally, I'm standing a foot away from Giannis, looking out at this wedding, talking, and I gotta go last. Now, luckily, it was on my mind way too much and bothering me way too much, so I had to do a good job because I'm not messing this up. This is my friend. And, uh, you know, he asked me to do this and he wanted me to do this. And, uh, you know, so the night before, after I came home from doing the two shows that I had to rush uh, to get to from the rehearsal dinner, I laid in the hotel bed, I got my phone out and I kind of wrote notes of like bullet points of what I wanted to, to say. And then me being so nuts and compulsive, and this is true, I'm not making this up for a good story. I'm nuts and compulsive. Now, my whole career, I never brought a notepad on stage ever one time. I never looked at my phone ever one time. I just can't do that, ever, you know. Um, you know, I, for whatever reason, I just it's just something that I don't do, and part of it is my OCD. I don't take taglines from comedians. So, um, you know, I have this written down, and they call me up, and I go up, and it's on my phone. And everybody else had their stuff. Everybody else had paper and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm going off the, I'm going to go and remember my bullet points. So I just go up there and they say, make sure you bring a glass of champagne for the toast for when you're done. And I went up there and I remembered my bullet points. I remember what I wrote the night before. And uh, I literally, the whole day, I'm like, man, like, I don't want to have pressure to be funny because I want to talk from my heart. You know, as crazy as it sounds, like I want it, I want it to be short, sweet, from the heart. But I'm like, man, I gotta say some funny shit. Like you just kind of have to. So, I thought of some funny lines. Anyway, I go up there, and I start giving the speech, and I said one or two lines, and it got some laughs, nothing big. And then in my mind, I'm going, Paul, like this is not a comedy show. Like you're thinking, like while well, people are listening to a speech. As a comedian, I'm like, why aren't I killing? Why aren't, you know? But then I looked and the comedians were really like laughing and into it. And then I just stayed my bullet points. And I don't want to get too personal. I mean, I think um, Alexis Guerrero might even have this, the entire speech up there. So some people might have saw it. But I just basically talked about um, Giannis uh, introducing me to Britney and, and all that stuff and how I felt. And then I told him something that I really felt and... Uh, I brought up something at the end that the coolest part about it was I did get laughs and I said some heartfelt stuff, but the best part was I had people crying, not laughing, crying, literally crying. And uh, there's video of, of that, you know, and like to see Giannis get like a little emotional and then like all other comedians get emotional. And then I closed it by plugging my um, Bananas Comedy Club dates in March. So I said this really heartfelt thing and people started crying and you hear people going, oh, and it was really nice. And I go, listen, and if anybody, and, and I'm joking, I'm like, and let's be honest. I was like, Giannis needs some structure. Thank God Brittany's in his life. This kid needs structure. And then I go, listen, if anybody here is from New Jersey, I go March 22nd, 23rd, I'll be at Bananas Comedy Club, one show Friday, two show Saturday. And the dude, it crushed. I'm not going to lie. It crushed. The comedians were going nuts. Giannis and then were going nuts and they were Giannis just stood up and was like that was amazing thank you so much and we had a hug and a toast and then people and then I was finally able to to relax and have a wedding so Giannis's wedding really started for me as far as being like free of in my mind from about 9 9 30 you know that's when uh that's when I felt better and that's when I was like okay 
good. You know, now I could sit down and, and I didn't go too hard. I had some, it was weird. I'm on this wine kick right now. I'm drinking Cabernet like it's like you fucking read about. I'm drinking Cabernet constantly, um, which leads me into my unacceptable, everybody. I have an unacceptable. Then I'm going to get to your guys because you guys have, uh, there's a couple from you guys and uh, just a lot of shit to talk about. So sit back and relax, everybody, because TVE is fucking back. All right. And it's going to be back with a vengeance once I get this artwork done. And then once the Patreon gets done, 2019, man, the Empire Strikes Back with these podcasts, okay? And this tour. I'm coming to a comedy club near you, everybody. I just got Houston added. Houston Improv in November. New York, uh, The Gotham Comedy Club in New York. I'm going to talk about all that at the end. But let's get into this shit, okay? Let's get into this. Now. I had a late show, two two shows on Saturday night. I had a show at Gotham Comedy... No, was it Gotham Comedy Club? No, sorry. That was Friday. Saturday, I had a show at the Asylum Improv, or Improv Asylum, which used to be the old UCB East. Um, and they, I did a show there on Saturday. Then I had to go over to the Comedy Cellar, Village Underground, the bigger room, and do a, do a late night show. On the midnight. So I went like second to last on the midnight show. So I was on stage like 1 o'clock in the morning, right? Now, mind you, this is when the clocks get turned back. You know? So at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's really 3. Now, I had a really stressful week. I um, I had to do... I did a ton of podcasts. Shout out to Andrew Schultz on Flagrant 2. Shout out to Justin Silver and Mike Vecchione and Shannon Lee on the No Disrespect podcast, which I did, which should be up this week. Uh, Shout out to Jim Norton and Sam Roberts on the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts show on Sirius XM. I was on there with Andrew Scholes. I don't know if you guys heard it. We were talking R. Kelly. We had a, a great time. It was one of the only times I did radio where my wife is like, I'm at my desk crying, laughing right now. But we had a really good time on that. I'm plugging all these dates and stuff. So I'm running into the city. I'm doing radio early in the morning. Then I'm coming back home upstate and then at night going back down. So it was just after the wedding and I was drained and it was a lot, right? I know. Poo-hoo. You got to go on stage and tell jokes. Fuck you. All right? I was drained. I was exhausted. So the week is finally over. I did, you know, a bunch of shows, a bunch of radio, and it's like 1.30 in the morning, and I was, I had a confliction, I was conflicted with something, I'm like, look, should I go to Mamoon's, which is the shawarma place, which is like the famous, you know, shawarma, chicken kebab, all that, literally next to the comedy cellar, and I'm like, yeah, let me do that, I'm gonna stay out of the comedy cellar, because if I stay to the comedy cellar, I'm gonna have wine and eat and talk, and it's gonna be too late, so I basically, I ditched that. I go to Mamoon's to get my thing, and there's a long line. And then while I'm on the long line, I'm rationalizing doing what I just rationalized against. I go, yeah, you know what? Maybe I will just go have one Cabernet, and I'll have a salad, maybe a chicken cutlet. I had a long week. I'll unwind, maybe talk to a couple of peers or the manager or somebody at the cellar. So I go back into the cellar, and I have a Cabernet, get a piece of chicken cutlet, and, um, and a salad. And I'm just ending my night. I'm coming down. I'm ending my week. Stressful week. And uh, then Liz, shout out to Liz, the manager of the comedy cellar. She comes over and we talk. And then I, you know, and then I stayed like, then I had another Cabernet. Not, not much. Then the guy poured me like a third one. And I'm like, dude, I got to drive. Like, and I stayed for like over two hours so I could drive. But I'm forgetting the clock change. So I'm like, I'm, I'm forgetting that like I'm eating dinner and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have dinner and a glass of wine and then I'm going to hang out for a while, drink water, you know, and, and I have that all clocked because I don't, I don't fuck around driving and stuff. But I didn't realize that me staying like two hours uh, means that I'm like leaving at five in the morning because of the clock change or whatever it was. So I just, so it went from me, it literally, this is the difference of my night. And it gets scary. The story gets scary what happens. I'm not kidding either. I li- if there were three less people online to get a shawarma or a chicken sandwich or a chicken kebab sandwich, whatever the fuck, if there was one or two people in line, I would have been home at a normal time. But because the line was long, I was like, I need to just go sit down and relax. 
Guys, I don't realize as I'm talking and I'm eating what time it is. So I have to stop drinking wine. I have to get my shit together. I got to drink some water and talk a little more. But now when it's 3.30 in the morning or whatever, it's really 4.30 in the morning. So listen, if I got in the car at 3.30, got home at 4.30, that's really late. But like whatever, I could sleep in. But now you're talking like I, I can't go to bed when the sun's coming up. So I get in my car and I'm realizing what time it is. And I'm like, all right, let me just get home. And I start driving home, and the closer I get to Westchester, more snow starts coming, and snow starts coming, and snow starts coming, and the street's getting white, and the snow is sticking, and people are sliding, people are pulling off the side of the road, and here comes the scary part. My eyes start closing. So everything that happened during the week, my body and everything is shot, and now when you come down and you're done from wine and you've ate dinner, and you had dessert, or you're drinking water, and now you're like, your body's going, okay, it's time for, and I'm in the fucking car, driving, okay, and that's why I shouldn't have wine, because if I didn't have wine, I wouldn't have to wait two fucking hours, I would have been able to just, so I realized that I made a really bad mistake, and this is where I'm unacceptable for the week, because I have to go from 75, 80 miles an hour to 40, So now my drive is almost two hours. And guys, I am fighting sleep. And I'm just saying this to tell people to not do this. Because I literally had to open my fucking... At one point, I'm opening my window and I'm letting snow and sleet fly into my fucking Lexus to hit my face. I got music on. At one point, I took my right hand and I... Like a cartoon character. I slapped myself in the face with my right hand. Like I literally... Like you could hear it too. The shit was like WWE wrestling, like, but like, I just smacked my chin and I'm just fighting for this. And I'm going, Paul, if you close your eyes, you're dead. I'm literally thinking of my kids and I'm going, what are you doing? You need to, for a chicken cutlet, you stupid asshole. You could have been in the car two fucking three hours ago. And I'm just going like, I got to get home. I got to get home. I got to get home. And it was the longest, scariest drive. And I'm never doing that shit again. Absolutely unacceptable on my part. Uh, I know, I know, I got too much. I got, I just got too much going. Like I, I, it just makes no sense to do what I did. And uh, so, don't think less of me. I'm just being honest here. I was a fucking asshole. I was exhausted, and I did not. Obviously, you would think, hey, should I look at the weather? And of course, who tells me be careful and is thinking of the weather? My wife tells me that. And it it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I don't listen. I didn't look at the weather. I didn't care about the clock change. I'm like, no, I need to unwind. Let me unwind. Yeah, you don't unwind at 2 in the morning, you fucking asshole, and get in the car at 5. You know, have a dinner with a glass of wine like it's fucking 7.30 at night and you're sitting at home with your family. You know, and and here's the thing. The food at the cellar is amazing. So that it it was just and good conversation and it was ridiculous. So my unacceptable is the fact that I was dumb enough to not look at the weather and have to drive against the clock and you lose time. And that clock change hurts when you lose the hour, right? When you gain an hour, you you either are like, oh, it's great, or you don't even feel it. But when you lose the hour, you feel that shit hard, you know, hence me getting snow in my face and smacking myself in the face, just blasting music. It was brutal. Oh, man, I don't wish that. That was terrible. So there's my unacceptable. Don't do that. Be smart. And I always said, how could you fall asleep at the wheel? It can, You can. You can. And I saw cars. I had to concentrate because two cars in front of me hit each other and had to pull off. And they had to deal with that shit at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, so there's my unacceptable for the week. Sucks. Don't do it. And, um, you know, I, I'm actually lucky, lucky that nothing bad happened. And, and oh, God, my wife would have. Why are women always right? Do you understand that? Like a good woman, I'm not talking about, you know, a dope. I think we know who I'm talking about. But fellas, if you're listening to this, listen to me now. Okay, because this is a very, very important thing what I'm going to say. Probably one of the most important things that I've said on my podcast as far as like what it really is and how smart uh, women are. 
And I'm not trying to shit on dudes, okay? I know it was International Women's Day, which annoyed the shit out of me. Okay, because when's International Man Day? Give me a fucking break. What, am I supposed to treat women better on one day? It's like Valentine's Day. How about you treat people with respect all the time? These days are so stupid. You know, oh, it's International Dog Day. It's International Cat Day. They're going to have a fucking bird day. Well, yeah, treat birds good. No, you know, no shooting birds today. It's like, it's, it's like... It's just, it's turning into, don't they have like International Cake Day and it's International Donut Day or it's like, it's just so, and then a bunch, it's just an excuse for a bunch of fat mooses to line up to get a free powdered donut. It's ridiculous. There's all these days and it annoyed me that like, I don't know, you just felt an extra like little pep in women's step that day, which annoyed me. Anyway, let me get back to why women are great. A good woman in your life is just right and just better than you. <laughs> it, it really, it, Giannis made a good point. He's like, yeah, the best part of me is my wife. Like, she's the best part of me. And that's really where the saying, your better half, comes from. The woman in your life is just better and smarter, more cautious than you. And it just takes, it took me a while to realize that. Now, listen, there are some assholes. And, that, you know, I know there's one guy drinking right now going, fuck you, but, you know, I just found out my girl's been stripping at fucking, you know, some place down. You know, I'm, I'm not saying, I know that there's some doozies out there, but I'm talking about the good women, the women you, the woman you married and you have kids with, and, you know, I'm not talking about the chick that, like, blew somebody in a Buffalo Wild Wings and she thought it was hilarious and then she went back to work. Like, I'm not talking about her, all right? I'm talking about... You know, you realize you needed to get your shit together. You married a good woman. You had some kids. You have a house. And the woman is telling you things. And you're constantly going, you're wrong. What are you talking about? Leave me alone. And then you find out, like, oh, my God. Like, she was right and had it right the whole time. Women are dope, dude. They are. My wife is right a lot. And it annoys the shit out of me. You know when you're acting like an asshole? Right. As I'm just going to tell you guys, this is hilarious. As I'm saying this to you, I got a text message right now. Literally now. It doesn't even say a minute ago or two minutes. It says now. My wife just texted me a list of things to get from uh, Target. Okay. Because God forbid I got them at the regular fucking store that's closer. Because we have a Target card and Target's got deals. You know. And it's not even about wife, uh, money with my wife. My wife loves a deal like you read about. My my wife loves a deal. Now, here's the point. I'll get annoyed and just want to go to the regular store, the, the supermarket, and get all the things. But she'll go, oh, no, but you could have saved this. You had this. And she'll be right. They're just, they are just right. They say things, and it turns out to be, or you're like, yeah, you know, and my wife's like, oh, just so you know, when you get home, be careful coming home. The weather's going to be bad. I don't hear that. I'm like, oh, maybe it'll rain. Let, let me get a shawarma. Like, I'm just a dick. And she was right. So, fellas, when you get mad and annoyed with the woman in your life, okay, uh, you think she's going to, what, what's this? Now what? Now what? Uh, oh, there's another list on the kitchen table. That's the, that's the next thing that came in. So, so here's what happened. A minute ago, she sent me a list. And then just now, there's another list on the kitchen table. As I'm saying, she's making me want to take back or recant this thing. I'm trying so hard. Don't you see what happens in life, guys? It's happening in real time on this podcast. I'm trying to give women props. I'm trying to say the women know. And as I'm doing it, she's fucking sending me a list of chores here. Um, but anyway, they, you know, I, I should have just listened. So let's get to your guys, uh, see what you guys wrote in. We'll get to that part. And then I have to go to, uh, I got to go get breakfast. By the way, one of my favorite things in this world is going and eating breakfast alone. It is, oh, by the way, I said it was shout out to the uh, Early Bird Cafe in Ridgefield, Connecticut. That's right. Shout out to my dude, Mike, owner. Um, I go to the Early Bird Cafe a lot. I also go to the Peach Lake Market. I got a shout out to Peach Lake Market, which is in North Salem. It all depends on how I'm feeling. I either go to the Peach Lake Market or when I go into Ridgefield, I go to the Early Bird Cafe. Both fantastic. Both treat me great. Both great food. And um, 
I love those neighborhood places where you go in, the people know you, it's got that country feel, you read the paper, you know, it's like almost like another life. It's just so much, it's so great. I love it. So shout out to, I got to go do that after, but um, I'm also going to be shooting guns today in Connecticut. That's right. I'm going to a range. I'm going to take out a couple of pistols. I'm going to be with a buddy. I don't know if I can mention names when it comes to this shit, but I'm going to be, I'm going to just pop off some caps. Hopefully feel a little better. Uh, got the night off. And uh, there you have it. So let's see what you guys say. You guys are listening to TVE episode 393. And um, let's go to unacceptables for TVE at Gmail. Send your unacceptables to uh, unacceptables. Um, unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com, right? Unacceptables. Yeah, I think that's it. Jesus. I don't even know the... Yes, unacceptables for TVE at gmail. Here we go. Um, you know. This is from uh, Jason. Jason says, Dearest Paul, this is a funny unacceptable because you have done it yourself. I am aware that you might not listen to yourself often, but you just might throw the phrase you know out there once or twice per episode. Here's the unacceptable part. After watching your special on TV, every time I hear you say you know, a little bell goes off in my head and completes the sentence with, uh, just looking for some dick. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just looking for some dick. Now, Paul, (laughs) I love my wife and don't think of you like that, but this is about the funniest thing I've found to be not acceptable in a while. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, all right. <laughs> Just looking for some dick. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the um, I appreciate the, the quote from the special. I'm glad you uh, liked it. You know, I'm glad you liked it and I'm glad. And you know what's funny about that is so many people, here's the cool thing about doing a comedy special other than obviously it was, it's a dream as a comedian and I'm so happy that the masses got to see it. Um, but everybody likes a different joke, you know? And then there's always one or two people who are like, the one joke I didn't like. Like, I literally had somebody say the nicest compliment to me. Somebody goes, somebody from the South was like, dude, your special brought me back to the days of watching Chris Rock and Dana Carvey specials. And I was like, wow, that's big words. I go, that's so good. And we're talking. And then I was like drinking with the dude, you know, later. And he goes, yeah, the one joke though, you did one joke that I was like, ah, that was probably my least favorite. You know, it's funny, like your parents too. My dad was like, love the special, love it. You know, this joke, that joke. You know, the one joke I could have done without um, was this. And it was like a different one. And then some jokes that people were like, that was my least favorite are some people's favorites. So, um, you know, just looking for some dick, you know, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you quoted that. So thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. And for anybody else, you could still check it out. Special is still streaming, still doing well as I, uh, tour the country coming up soon, uh, working on the new one. Next one is from, uh, CJ fat bat. This is, uh, the, the title of it, the subject fat bastard on the train. Hey, Paul, and this is from CJ. Uh, I don't know if I have CJ written before, maybe. Hey, Paul, I've got an unacceptable that happened on the train. It's me and this young woman sitting in the... Let me just make sure this shit's recording. Okay, good. Because last time I did, I did a podcast and at 37 minutes it cut off and it it and it and it was so great. And then I was like, so anyway, right, let me start over, CJ. Sorry, I apologize. Attention is to you, sir. CJ says, hey, Paul, I've got an unacceptable that happened on the train. It's me and this young woman sitting in the furthest seat in the row across from me. As we get closer into Manhattan, the car starts to fill up until there's only one seat left next to her. Uh, Then here comes this stereotypical fat fuck bumbling (laughs) bumbling on the train. train. Uh, Bad fitting clothes, hair doesn't look combed clunky shoes, and just an overall lack of swagger. He spots the seat next to the young lady. She tries to move in the middle of the two seats uh, as the nonverbal cue for him to fuck off, 
but this bastard bullies his way into the seat by backing his ass towards the seat like a U-Haul truck forcing her to move over. He was so clumsy that he almost brushed his ass into the woman's chest uh, getting into the seat. I wanted to kick this guy's ass off principle alone. Uh, if it uh, if it was a guy sitting there, uh, he would have tried to sit down because he'd get punched. Okay, if it was a guy sitting there, oh, he wouldn't have tried uh, to sit down. Right, he wouldn't have tried to sit down if it was a guy because he'd get punched in the back of the balls. Uh, but you squeeze this small woman in the seat. Fuck you, dude. Disclaimer. As a fat fuck myself. <laughs> That's so funny. As a fat fuck myself, have no room to judge. I'm 6'4", 380. Wow, dude. That's like, that's that's almost not even fat because you're so tall. You That's like NFL shit. Um, but these are the type of fat people I hate. The ones that are so selfish, they become unaware of how their obesity can affect, <laughs> can affect uh, others in crowded spaces. It's not cool to just throw your fat around uh, and everyone has to deal with it. I don't care if, you're, uh, if the seat was open. Stand your ass up like a gentleman and let the lady sit comfortably because of this shithead. I get lumped into the same stereotype when I'm not like that at all. No cages needed. Just put two behind the ear and get it over with. Hashtag unacceptable. Thank you, CJ. That's hilarious and so right. And what I like about this unacceptable especially is that you're a big dude yourself. And you're like, look, I'm a big dude, but I got big dude etiquette. And that's what it sounds like you're talking about here. Big dude etiquette, you know? And that's the difference. That really is the difference. It's like, you know, if you see, if it's one thing to just be fucking, you know, sloppy or overweight and and be and and then not be aware of it, but to be like, no, I need to get my shit together. I need to lose weight. I need to exercise, but I'm not putting that on other people. This guy just shows up like, and some people are just, what are you gonna do? Some people are just debacles, you know. Some people are just. You know, it happens on planes, it happens on trains, it's, that's pretty much, you know, I joke around on the show, and you guys know me as somebody that doesn't want to deal with public transportation, and I call people animals and stuff, and I joke around, but to be honest with you, I'd rather sit in my car from northern Westchester to the city and back, you know, listening to my tunes, or listening to sports talk, or listening to, yeah, you know, just listening to, to a podcast, or something like that. And not have to deal with, A, the transit being stopped. Somebody, you know, everybody, I keep hearing that all these guys are jerking off on a train. You know? And, like, I gotta be honest with you. that I, That's some shit that I really, like, forget the piss smell. Forget the, you know, the, the panhandlers or the people on the train go, Excuse me, hey, ladies and gentlemen. Just a quick announcement. I just got the shit kicked out of me. Some guy took all my clothes. I got nothing, nowhere to sleep. If you guys could, like, you got to deal with that shit too. Um, you also have to deal with people rapping when they're listening to their music yelling or people singing loud or people fighting and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I talked on a podcast once about this kid who was on the phone in a train car going to Yankee Stadium and the whole train is just quiet waiting to go to the game and this guy's on the phone just screaming on a conversation. Yeah, so the other day we were going and like yelling and cursing and people looking around like the lack of respect. And I know people, I know people who live in Brooklyn, okay, and they're in Manhattan doing comedy and they live in Brooklyn or they work at a comedy club in the city and they live in Brooklyn and they tell me by the time they're done their trains or their drive and finding a parking space, it's 40 minutes to an hour anyway. So I'd rather do that, you know, but you're going to get this shit, uh, CJ, you're going to just get it and you're going to see it and it's gross. You know, nothing's worse, too, than the guy whose sweatpants are, you know, halfway down his ass and you see his ass crack and he's just a mess. It's brutal. It's brutal. But nothing is more brutal. All the things we're talking about, obesity, ass out, loud, talking loud, even even trying to get, you know, trying to get money off of people and stuff like that. All that stuff does suck when it comes to public transportation. But the worst thing, the absolute worst thing is when somebody smells. Because you could have somebody who is actually dressed uh, accordingly, appropriately. 
You could have somebody who's got maybe a, you know, a sweater on or, or a collared shirt and, and their pants are hanging off their ass, but they smell like either B.O. Or, or some other fucking, they smell like something and you just get nauseous. And that's the shit that I can't handle. I can't handle, I can't handle smells bad. I can't handle smells bad. You know, if, if the smell is bad, I can't handle it. Because I start gagging. I'll throw up. I'll throw up on a bad, like if somebody, like there was a guy, he walked by and it was so bad. I think we were in Europe. And everybody, and this guy walked by, it was so bad that... I was with Bill and Kenny, and I, I was gagging, and I almost threw up, you know. And I've been in taxis, you know, taxis and Ubers, where I was in, it, it was just the grossest thing. It's just like I can't deal with that shit. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a public transportation guy. You know, I'll pay. Listen, you got to pay for comfort. You got to pay. So where are we on time here? All right, we're 40 minutes in, 41 minutes into the show, everybody. You guys are listening to TVE 393. If you are a Patreon subscriber, I just left a five-minute big announcement on uh, the transformation of the of the Patreon. But we're going to be doing cool Patreons leading up to it, and that's going to be just in a month. So uh, it's going to be great. Who's this here? Oh, this is uh, Yanni Papi. Got to take this, but you guys won't feel a thing. Okay, so anyway, see... I could have, how long did I talk? You don't know. Could have been an hour. Could have been a minute. Could have said, hey, I'm doing my podcast. Call you back. Uh, but you don't know. Anyway, uh, so moving on. Let's uh, let's move on here in the podcast. And um, everybody is talking about this Michael Jackson. Was it leaving Nether, uh, Neverland? And um, I got to be honest with the things I heard. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see it because... You know, look, I feel like this. At the end of the day, Michael Jackson was a disturbed individual. Nobody can, I don't think anybody can really dispute that. And rest his soul, I hate talking about, you know, to somebody, um, you know, that passed away or whatever. But, um, and when I say disturbed, I mean like even, let's just say for example, let, let's just say for example, um... And I, I talked to people in depth about the, the documentary, so I know a lot about it. I know a lot of things that were said. But after hearing it, A, I just, I don't know. There's just something about it that, like, I don't want to spend hours and hours just feeling like that and being grossed out and, 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 and feeling that evil and seeing that shit. But let's just say, for example, for argument's sake, argument's sake, Michael Jackson didn't do the things that that's alleged. Let's just say. Either way, what he did do was give families money and lay in bed with young boys and take naps with young boys and do that. That's fucked up, okay? So whether 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 you think he did it or not, let's just be real for a second. For a man in his 40s to, to lay down in bed and, and, and spend a day, like a whole day with these little kids and then lay in the same bed with them taking naps, that's not like... I got to be honest with you, that's like not fucking good behavior. Like that's just not normal behavior. Um, and that that's why I'm like, I don't need to watch it. And to be honest, like I think with some of the things that I heard were described, it sounds like, you know, a lot of that shit, you know, might have happened. And I don't want to see that either. Like everybody's talking about this. And I know that, you know, myself included, we're all guilty Um especially in this country with murder. We're fascinated with murder shows, right? And we're also fascinated with like creepy documentaries and we're fascinated with like, we're almost fascinated with tragic shit. There's something about the human behavior that fascinates us with with just darkness and shit like that. You know, there's a reason why horror movies do well without big actors, <laughs> right? Uh, it's just, it's just a thing. And then, you you know, you come across some real life stuff. And I mean, I'm hearing people, oh, this guy should rot in hell. This guy, you hear people going like, this is the most disturbing thing. Why do I want to watch that? 
I just don't. So that's that, that's my thought on it. And you know, as much as I am a documentary guy, and I talk about the that abduction in plain sight and all that stuff, I really don't want to hear two kids talk about how they slept in a bed with Michael Jackson and these things happened for years and years and, and stuff like that. I just, I really just, uh, it's fucked up, and it just makes me think that, like, dude, if somebody said, "Hey, man, do you mind if I, um, uh, the kids are coming over, we're gonna have some pizza, and then I'm gonna take a nap," and I'll be like, dude. If you fuck, first of all, you're not, my son's not never coming to your house again. The fact that you just said that, he's not coming over now. Second of all, if you ever went near my son in a bed, I would fucking kill you and be in jail the rest of my life, period. Like, are you out of your fucking mind? And if he said, oh, but I'll give you $500 million, so I'd be like, dude, I'm going to fucking kill you based on that proposal, you know? And I got to tell you, the parents on these things, man. This is where this is what that abducted in plain sight is, and and all this stuff. It's like because because either money or sex or some ulterior motive that the parents have put their kids in fucking harm's way. Period. Fucking period. Okay. Because you got the biggest star and icon on the planet. Michael Jackson's number one. There's nobody that's been bigger. Number one. We talked about it on the Jim and Sam show, and they were like, oh, maybe Elvis, but and, and Norton was even like, no, not even Elvis, and he's right, not even Elvis. Michael Jackson was the biggest star in Japan, in Africa, in the United States. If you went to wherever Michael Jackson got off of a plane, it was an absolute fucking mob scene. Wherever he walked in the streets, it was a mob scene. This was the biggest superstar icon ever. So these fucking parents who probably cried at his concerts and loved his fucking music, you know, had that in their head and either took money or like just wanted to be a part of what he was doing and they fucking sacrificed their children to be there. And it's fucking ridiculous, man. You know, it's it's just ridiculous. You know, because if that was, we, we were talking, if that was fucking, you know, Michael Jackson from Baltimore, he'd be like, dude, get the fuck away from my kids. And that's the problem. It's it's all this shit stems from the parents, and it's sickening. So that's my uh, that's all I have to say about that. Um, let's see here, the guys. I hate hearing this, but these uh, there's another yeah. There, there's they gotta test these planes. It was the yeah. So aviation's having a problem with these Boeing. Boeing's having a problem with these new airplanes, and it's fucking freaky and scaring me. Um, what else is out there? Jennifer Lopez and A-Rod, speaking of documentaries, and this is funny. Jennifer Lopez and A-Rod got engaged, but I saw the trailer for the the drug documentary that's going to be coming out about the doctor in Miami who gave like Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez and all this stuff, the drugs, and the guy like actually put on like a doctor's like gear and a stethoscope around his neck and he wasn't a doctor he was basically a drug dealer and it was talking about how these guys not only did they get bigger and stronger but their focus got better their focus got better like and they were able to be that much better and it's coming out and it's such a bad look for A-Rod and then it comes out A-Rod's getting engaged so um I don't know it's just uh it's brutal man you know what else I noticed, and, and and you notice it the older you get. A lot of times, and this is a dangerous thing I'm going to say, so I want to preface it by saying that there are many, many times that allegations are not true. But I do believe, in a sense, when there's smoke, there's fire, okay? And a lot of the shit that we hear, like, oh, so-and-so might be involved in this, or so-and-so might be involved in that. It's like when you hear that, it's like a lot of times they are. And it sucks when you hear it. Like my the one that devastated me last year was Robinson Cano being on drugs. It's my favorite Yankee, my favorite second baseman. Uh, then he got traded and I was like, all right, but he's still a Hall of Famer. And I called it young in his earliest career. He's going to be great. And then he was he got, you know, banned for 80 games for substance abuse and he denied it. But, you know, it's like hey, he probably did it. He probably did it, whether to stay healthy or whatever, and you find that shit out. He probably did it, you know, um, and it's it sucks because there's like this gray area, right? It's never not Nothing's always black and white. For example, you know, when Kobe Bryant was accused of rape and then it settled out of court and it was done 
and over with. He said something like, yeah, you know, it didn't happen, but like I understand where she was coming from. What does that mean? Didn't he say something like that? I want to get the quote, but didn't he say something like, I kind of understood. It's like, so you understand where she's coming from. So no, you didn't rape her. But what? It got rough or or it wasn't like, it. it what do you mean it didn't go? Pl- like for me, I don't understand shit like that. You know? And I definitely think that there are women out there that accuse for rape that didn't uh, with athletes or things that went wrong with athletes to get money. And I also think that, that those women give the women who really got raped a bad name and, and make it really hard and difficult uh, for everybody involved. Because, you know, that's really one of the worst things to call somebody that and not be, you know, and not, not have it be true. And I'm not saying all women at all. I think many women do uh, tell the truth. And when they say that they were raped, they, they were. But other women that say, oh, no, he didn't treat me well and then go and do that, it's, it's really a fucking slippery slope. But it's just weird how... When you hear something, like, I don't believe in my, I don't believe that Mike Tyson raped that woman. I, I don't. I just, and 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 if I'm wrong, I, I, I would feel horrible. But it's just a feeling from everything, from what I heard of the story, I just don't. You know, um, the Kobe Bryant thing, when he's like, I see where she's coming from. I feel bad that it went down like that. Then, like, that makes me go, like, then what the, did something, we, like, what what does that mean? It just sucks when it's a slippery slope. But, like, this Mike uh, Michael Jackson thing you hear, and you're like... I mean, laying in bed with a kid and then they come out later and say this and they're really not trying to get money, you know, and they're a little fucked up from it. It's like, you know, did something might have happened. So I just feel like when it does come to allegations, there is there is many that aren't true, but but when there's smoke, there's fire. Like there are, there are many that are. And it just sucks when, you know, it hits home. And what else sucks is when you have somebody that's your hero. Michael Jackson was a hero to many people. The way Robinson Cano was a baseball god to me, or I loved him, and he, you know, years ago when he first came in there, and then all of a sudden you hear that you're like, ah, oh, that's kind of shitty. Now, obviously, it's not on the scale of fucking kids, you know. In, you know, it's it's a definitely a a different thing than, but it just sucks when it's like what you see in public persona, what you see in the in the mainstream media, and all that stuff is just so different than 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 what reality is, you know. You know, it's like you saw David Hasselhoff, right, on a hotel floor eating a hamburger off a floor, pissed drunk. That's fucking Night Rider, man. <laughs> That's Night Rider. Think about that. Like you, you, you grew up with that. You grew up with that. Bill, think about it. It's, it's actually crazy. The falls from grace is basically what I'm trying to talk about right now on this segment of the podcast. Are these falls from grace? Bill Cosby was America's dad. For millions of people in this country, America's dad, you know, he was an educated black man, doctor, family man, Cosby show, you know, he was Dr. Huxtable. And you found out he was drugging and raping women for 30 fucking years. It's like, what? Michael Jackson thriller? Laying in bed with boys. It's these falls from grace. And then there are people that try to put in other people's falls from grace wrapped up in this. Can you say Tiger Woods was a fall from grace? I don't know. Yeah, in a way you can. But did Tiger Woods do anything monstrous? No. You know, he was unfaithful to his wife. He was fucking, you know, porn stars and strippers. And he had a, a different chick everywhere he went. And he was a sex addict or whatever he was doing. And he was completely unfaithful and humiliated his wife basically publicly. And that's a horrible thing for his wife and his kids to see. I get that. But, you know, he didn't do it. He's not, he's not doing anything else. Like, he's not, not raping anybody. He's not fucking sleeping with kids. He's not doing anything like that. But that's another thing where you're like, fuck, man, Tiger, man. It's like... That was Tiger Woods. That's why I want that guy to come back and win. I want that fall from grace to be rectified, you know. But that's life. What do they say? You know, don't. A lot of times, you meet your heroes, you'll be disappointed. But um, yeah. But there's a difference with that stuff. Like when, like like a guy like Lawrence Taylor. Like you know, the guy just got hookers and did coke and he did a bunch of stuff like that. But he was a great giant, and like we, you know, it's not nobody's doing any. Well, actually, no. Did he? There was any rape with him? How funny is that? That you need to like think. think about, hold on a second. Hold on a second. It was coke and hookers. Did he rape anybody? But 
I'm trying to think of, let me know if, if I'm missing any like falls from grace. You got Cosby, you got Jackson, you have obviously like Harvey Weinstein you could look at, Kevin Spacey, all the, like a lot of the Me Too guys or these guys on top of the world and then you find out stuff like that with them. Um, Tiger Woods, Mike Tyson, um, you know, I guess you could say a lot of baseball players that, uh, baseball players that were on the top of their game and they were hall of famers and they're not going to go to the hall of fame now because of all the doping. That's a fall from grace. Roger Clemens is, and Barry Bonds are probably ne- never get in the hall of fame because they cheated, but it's much different with the people that did like, you know, criminal, criminal, like awful, awful things. But I think the rape and the molestation of children are, are just over the top. Those people should be put down. Put down like the dirty dogs that they are. Moving on, let's talk about sports and not this awful shit that we're so... Isn't it funny? They'll be like, yo, you see that documentary about the guy that fucking killed puppies? Dude, it was nuts. He just went over with a bat and it's like, <laughs> people watch that shit. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. Um... March Madness is coming up, everybody. I got Duke. I got Duke. It's amazing that Zion Williamson is that important to Duke. They just can't win without him. So I think he's coming back for the March Madness. He's coming back for the NCAA tournament, and I'm taking Duke to win that. The Yankees, I love that they didn't give the money and that they're concentrating on the bullpen. I think the Yankees, I'm predicting. I'm going out on a limb here. I am predicting that the New York Yankees will win the World Series this year, and I'm going to bet it because I believe that they are. I believe that they will rectify the mistakes that they made last year in the playoffs, and I believe that they will win the World Series this year. I am very disappointed the New York Giants have parted ways with Landon Collins. I thought he was a great safety. I loved him. It bothers me. And, um, you know, I I still think he had years left. I think he was always there. He was durable. He didn't get hurt that much. I mean, a little bit here and there, but the guy was in, involved in every tackle. So I was definitely a uh, Landon Collins guy. I was sad to see him go. As far as uh, other sports, it's just a weird time. No football. You know, the Knicks suck, as always. But I've made that prediction. I've made the prediction that the Knicks are going to get like a best-case scenario. I know, wishful thinking, this and that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think eventually that ship's got to, it's got to turn. It's got to, things got to, you know, it's got to go better for us. We got, it's got to come in our favor. They haven't won since 73. Something's going to happen. That's what I say. Um, and here is where I'm going to be, guys. And I'm really excited about it. So um, I hope to see you guys at the shows. But let's go here. Where were you and the West Palm Beach dates are confirmed now. So I'm going to give you guys some spots to go. And you come out. And have a good time working on the new stuff. It's it's great. And I'll say this. I, right when I thought the crowds were getting better in the city. And the, the, the tide was turning with the PC stuff. There's just these millennials just don't get it. And I'm shitting on millennials in the new act. But in a way that they could even laugh at. March 22nd and 23rd, if you weren't at Giannis Pappas' wedding, one show Friday, two shows Saturday, March 22nd and 23rd, Friday, Saturday, Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, Bananas. The following weekend, April 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, I will be at the Tempe, Arizona Improv. Come and check that out. April 11th through the 13th, I will be at the Punchline in Philadelphia. April 18th. 19th and 20th, I will be at the Raleigh Improv in uh, North Carolina. Check that out. All tickets available on paulverzi.com. And then we have a bunch of dates in May and June and July. I also got added on, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh is in August. Mohegan Sun is in July. Pittsburgh is in August. Uh, New York City Gotham is in September. We got Houston Improv. I'm going to Texas in November. A ton of dates, guys. All tickets available on paulverzi.com right now. Um, We're doing a ton of radio to plug it. We're already selling tickets and filling the rooms. So please come out. This is the best hour of comedy that I've done. Um, It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be shitting on millennials. I'm going to be shitting on everybody. I'm going to be shitting on myself. But I'm also going to be shitting on dog owners in this one. I'm tired of dog owners. 
All right, because cat owners get a bad rap. I'm working on a new bit about how some dog owners are just as much out of their fucking minds as a crazy cat lady. So come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, and please check out the Patreon. I made a big announcement today. It's actually worth the $3 subscription right now, okay, to go and listen to the announcement because me and my dude are going to be doing a big production, a big show. And we're working on it right now so you can go and you can check that out. Uh, and I'm back. TVE is back, everybody. Please send your unacceptables or any advice you may have to unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com. And, uh, we will go, uh, go from there. Take care. I am out of here until episode, uh, 394. Uh, I'm out. And next week you will have the announcement of where 400 will be and when and where you could get tickets and who the guest is and all that too. So a lot of stuff. Oh, and guys, please go to, um, what's it called? Go to CapperNetwork.com and, uh, put in your picks, put in all your, uh, your picks, get up on the leaderboard, do all that, all things comedy too, um, for the podcast and the specials and the albums and all that stuff. Check them out at allthingscomedy.com and, uh, on Twitter at allthingscomedy and there you have it. And again, guys, if there's anything you want me to talk about, if there's any topic that you want me to talk about, hit me up and we will go from there. Uh, I am out of here. Talk to you soon.